Good morning, everybody. Who's glad to be in church today? Come on, let me hear you. Give up a shout of praise to Jesus today. Hey, it's so good to be with you all in church. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, my name's Caleb, and I get to serve as one of the pastors here at City Hope. I'd love to meet you after the service if we haven't met yet. Um, But I just want to take a moment and say a big welcome to everybody who's at church today, but also a big welcome to everyone who's with us online. Come on, can we put our hands together and welcome our online family today? Awesome. Thank you guys for joining in with us in service this morning. And today is an important day. Today is 9-11, the anniversary of um, a very tragic, horrific day in our nation. And I just wanted to take this moment, one, to remember what happened and to um, maybe many of you uh, know someone, a lot of people who Uh, there were a lot of people who lost loved ones that day. Maybe you know someone who lost a loved one or or you perhaps lost a loved one yourself and we want to remember that today. But also just want to take this moment to say thank you to all the first responders who every day put their life on the line, our military and police and firefighters and the EMTs and the nurses and the doctors and all, all the, yeah, let's put our hands together just to honor all of our first responders Um, That day, those people uh, put their life on the line, but we also have many first responders in this room who put their life on the line every single day to serve our community. And so from from my heart to you, thank you so much. We thank you so much for for what you do for our community. Um, And so just to segue from that, I want to let you know what is up and coming. And you saw in the video that we've got motion night coming this Wednesday night. Doors open at 630. That is a service for all of our middle school and high school students, and our team works really hard to make that night a lot of fun with games and food and all kinds of things, but we also have a really good message coming this month, um, and it's going to be an amazing time together. Every every time, like, our goal is to share the love of God with them, Jesus, to help them grow in their faith, and to put their faith in motion. So perhaps you've never been to motion, and you're a student in the room tonight, or you've been a few times. I I just want to invite you um, this Wednesday night at 630. You don't want to miss out, and I just want to personally invite you, from me to you, please come hang out with us. We'd love for you to come be with us, and also today is step two of the growth track, which if if you've been to growth track before, you would know this, but in step two of the growth track, what we cover is we talk about purpose. We talk about God's plan for your life, and and we give you a survey to help you discover what your God-given gifts are, what your gifts and your passions, if you haven't discovered that yet. Like, what is it that makes you tick? Why did God create you and put you on this earth? What was the purpose of that? And so we'll help you discover that today, which, interesting enough, enough, like, that's today's topic. We're going to be covering its purpose, and we're still in the series Reply All. And what this is based off of is we give a, 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 a survey every Easter asking, what topics do you need to hear about? Would you like to hear about? And usually what we see is there are a lot of the same topics every year. And so in this series, we're we're covering, we're replying to everyone, replying to all and about what you asked to hear about. And so last week, Pastor Ben talked about stress, which is a big and important topic, did a great job on that message. And today we're going to be talking about discovering God's will for my life. Now, God's will for your life is directly connected to his purpose and his plans, what God is doing. And the thing that I would want you to know is that God absolutely knows you, totally knows you, and God has a plan for you. He has a plan for your life, for every single person here. But oftentimes, if we were to ask the question, when do we typically seek God's plan, 
our answer, our response would be, most of the time, we seek God's, God's plan and God's will when we're faced with a dilemma. Maybe we come to a crossroads. We're, we're faced with a dilemma or a big decision that we're trying to make, something that greatly impacts our lives. So maybe it's like, uh, should I date him or her? Or should I marry him or her? Uh, maybe you're asking the question of like, where should I go to college? Which job should I pursue? What career should I pursue? Um, and so like when these big questions in life come to us, like, should I buy the house? Should I buy the car? Do I really need to take out another loan right now? This is when we typically seek God's will for our lives. Like me, when I met my wife, Danielle, we got, married, uh, we got engaged within eight months of dating and then married within six months. And I know that may not be fast for some of y'all, but that was fast for us, okay? Like, my parents, they got, married, they got engaged within three weeks that's fast, everybody. That's really fast. But I felt like, you know, everybody was telling me and my wife, slow down, slow down, slow down. We're like, we don't know how. Like, we can't. We just, we like each other, you know? And so, but as I was falling in love with her, what happened was there was a moment where we started thinking about, we want to marry, we want to spend the rest of our life with each other. And we were praying, like, we were seeking God's will because if we're making a decision that is till death do us part, we want to make sure we're getting that one right. You know what I'm saying? Like, we want to make sure we're in God's perfect will in that scenario. And so this is often, and by the way, I just want to say, I got it right. We got it right. Like, I love my wife. She's, she's awesome. She's a godly woman, loves God. She loves people. And she's living out her calling, teaching, and doing big things. And so I'm so proud of her. Um, and I got it right, y'all, right in God's will. And so there's nothing like that. But those are the moments when, when we do that. But God has a plan for you, and you need to know that. And the Bible tells it to us in Jeremiah chapter 29, 11. It says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That's what God says about you. Is he, he has good plans for you, plans to give. He has a will for your life. Like, God knows what you're supposed to do before you know, okay? And he wants to help you make the right decision. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today is how to know God's will for our life, particularly when we're making decisions. And this message comes directly from a teaching that I shared with our City Hope Leadership Academy a few weeks ago. Shout out to the Leadership Academy if all, and our students in the room today. Love you guys. And in the City Hope Leadership Academy, we go a little bit deeper in some topics, and we talk some theology in there. And so today, I'm going to bring in a little bit of that, and I'm going to be talking to you for a few minutes about the theology of God's will, okay? So we're going to go a little bit deeper because typically, when we think about what is God's will, most of the time, our mind and our thought processes gravitate towards self, okay? What does God want me to do? Okay, y'all with me? Who does God want me to marry? Where does God want me to go to college? What career does God want me to start? What does God want me to buy this car? It's typically us-centered, but I want you to know that there's a theology of God's will, and it's way bigger than you, guys. Like, God's will, newsflash, is not all about you. It's not all about me. Like, his will doesn't revolve around us. There's some other things at work when we're considering God's will, and I want to give that to you today. And the first will of God that I want to cover is the sovereign will of God. 
And the sovereign will of God is directly connected to what God is already doing on the earth. The work that he's already doing. And when we look at this word sovereign and break it down, the word that we get is rule or reign. And if you'll notice in the scriptures, when Jesus is talking about doing the will of, of the Father, he speaks in terms of, of kingship and in, and in terms of kingdom. He says it in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So this is the sovereign will of God is what God is doing on the earth, what God is directly doing in the earth. And so God's sovereign will is not just about what happens, but it's about what he's actively doing. Because God is actively doing something here and now in our world. And just so you know, he's been doing something on the, wor- on the earth for thousands of years before you and I were ever even born. He's been doing something. And it's his sovereign will. What is God's will for the earth? Some of you may know the answer. It's the will of God is that none would perish but that all would come to a relationship with Jesus and that they would find everlasting life. It's the will of God to reach, to advance the kingdom and to populate heaven and to plunder hell. That is God's will for the earth, that men and women would be healed and that they would be reconciled to him. And so if God is actively doing something on the earth, don't you think his will for our lives is probably not gonna be outside of what he's already doing? Like, he, he's already doing some things, so probably what he has for us is going to be inside of the parameters of what he is already doing. And you may say, that sounds crazy, but let me tell you, even Jesus, the Son of God, submitted to this. Like, the one who had all authority, all power, all authority in heaven and earth had been given to him. But even Jesus submitted to the sovereign will of the Father, the sovereign will of God. Look, we see it right here in Luke 4. Jesus is speaking, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me, not to, not to do what I want to do, not to build my own kingdom, but he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He, he sent me to proclaim that the captives would be set free, that the blind would see, and that the oppressed would be set free. This is the work that Jesus came to do, and he's saying, This is why the Lord has anointed me, is to do his work. It's not about me. It's about what God's already doing on the earth. And so here's the application is that what God wants me to do will always line up with what he's already doing on the earth, okay? And and that's something that you need to know is the sovereign will of God. The second one would be the moral will of God, what God has already said in his word. And we don't have to blindly follow what we think God's will is for our lives. We don't have to try to take a stab in the dark, everybody. Like, we can read the Bible and determine what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will for our life is. And so the first thing that we do is we look to the sovereign will of God, what he's already doing. Second, we look at what he has already said in his word. And now on this one, it's very important that we submit ourselves to the authority of the word of God, okay? We have to submit ourselves, and when we read it, we have to ask ourselves a couple of questions. Ask yourself, what am I doing that I shouldn't be doing? Based on what God's Word says, what are some things I'm doing? And right here, I have to to look inward, and I have to take an honest inspection of my heart. What are some things that I'm doing 
that I shouldn't be doing. And I allow the Holy Spirit to speak to me. And David shows us exactly how to do this in Psalm 139. He says, search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me, anything that offends you, God, if there's anything in me, see that and lead me away from it. Lead me in the way everlasting is what David teaches us to pray. So what are some things that I should stop doing? But the other question would be, what are some things that I'm not doing that I should be or I could be doing? So what I'm doing here is I'm looking at what are some ways that I'm not participating in what you're doing, God? And then how can I jump in the game and participate in what you're doing on the earth? How can I grow to fulfill what you're doing? Not, not all about me, not all about what I want to do, but how can I be a part of what you want to do? And then the last one would be what we all want to know about, and it's the personal will of God. And this is what God desires for my life, okay? This is, this is where it gets personal. And I don't want to minimize this one because it's important that we get this right. But before we can know the personal will of God, we have to know what God's already, already doing and what God has already said. And once we know what God is already doing and what he's already said, those two things are the culmination of what he wants us to do with our lives, with, our, with the personal will of God. So Jesus says it like this. He says, if you want to find your life, you have to do what? You have to lose it. How does that make any sense? If you want to find your life, you got to lose your life. What is Jesus saying? How does that make sense? What he's saying is, if you want to find the true life that God always intended for you to have, you're going to have to deny yourself of some things. You're going to have to lose your plans. You're going to have to lose your dreams. You're going to have to lose your selfish ambitions. You're going to have to put those things on the back burner so that you can focus on what God is already doing. So I'm not focusing so much on what I'm doing, but I'm focusing more about what God's doing, what God's already doing on the earth and what he's already said. And when I begin to do those things, when I begin to lose myself to what God's already doing and what he's already said, that's where you will find the true life that God always intended for you to have. That's where you will live inside the purpose that God has for you. So that's the theology of God's will. And the second half of this message, what we're going to talk about, is putting it to the test. And some of y'all are kind of like, oh, Pastor Caleb, you ain't, the word says, thou, you know, thou shalt not test the Lord thy God, right? I'm not saying for you to test the Lord our God. I'm saying you need to test yourself, okay? I'm saying you need to make sure your ears are screwed on straight and that you're hearing what God is saying, okay? Because sometimes people will put the God said stamp on it when God ain't said that, okay? God didn't really say that. It's what you wanted and you just saying God said it, okay? There's people that do that. And so what we have to do is we have to be able to put it to the test. How do we do that? We have to have a, a standard or we have to have a criteria of questions that we can, we can filter things through to make sure that we're doing and, and we're hearing clearly, that we're hearing what God is saying for, for us to, to, what God is saying for us to do. So the verse I would share with you is in 1 John chapter 4, and it says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, okay? Because there's a lot of spirits out there. There's the Holy Spirit, but then there's some other spirits that's talking too, okay? And so what we got to do is we got to test it to see if it's from God or not, 
Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. Maybe some of you did as well. And in a Pentecostal church, they put a a very big emphasis, a magnifying glass, on the Spirit and the moving of the Spirit, which which is great. Sometimes it can get a little crazy and a little out of hand, okay? Um, But it's awesome to to be Spirit-filled and all of those things. But with that, one of the gifts of the Spirit is prophecy. So there's a lot of prophesying that goes on. There's people who have the gift of prophecy, and they will prophesy. There's also other people who have the gift of prophelie, okay? They will prophelie to you, all right? And what that is is where they prophesy something that's a lie. It ain't true. They say God said, but he didn't really say that at all, okay? And so that's why it's so important that we're able to test the spirits to see if it's of God or not. And so I'm going to give you six questions that you can use as a test. And on your notes today, they're blank notes, and I would encourage you to write these down. Maybe you're in the middle of a, a decision that you're trying to make right now, and these can help you with that. And the first question you got to ask is, am I in a right relationship with God? So when you're trying to determine what God's will is for your life, you got to consider your proximity to the Lord, how close you are to God. How, how close am I to God? And we should always seek to be close to God as possible, but especially when we're making big decisions. We have to make sure our hearts are pure and that our hands are clean. And one thing that I admire about my family, my grandparents and my parents that I've seen them do, is anytime they had a big decision to make, one thing I observed that they would do is they would go on a fast. Like they'd give up food or they'd give up TV or they'd give up something of the world that's a distraction to them so that they could remove the distractions, hear directly from God and come as close to him as possible. Because the word tells us that God speaks in the still small voice. And if you're far from God, you're not going to hear it. The only way you could hear a whisper is if you're close, okay? So that's why it's so important, especially when we're trying to hear what God's will for our life is, that we're close, Is because he often speaks in a still, small voice. And if we're not close to him, we might miss it. The Bible tells us in Romans 12 too, it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now the key here is to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then after you're transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will for your life is. Now, the only way we can be renewed and transformed in our minds is through a relationship with God, is by being close to Him. And so what we have to do is get as close to Him as possible so that our mind and our thoughts and our outlook is is transformed and it's renewed. And I kind of see it like this, like, I believe there's probably some people in this room and you're, you're making some big decisions like you got some big things in front of you and you've been researching and working hard and talking to everybody and their mama trying to figure out what you need to do. When in fact, you don't have to work really hard. You need to put that to the side and you need to get close to God. And you need to get in relationship with God. Because if you get in relationship with God, he'll give you the answer that you need. And you won't have to work so hard to try to figure things out. He'll make it plain. He'll make it easy when you're in relationship with him. And so I would encourage you today, if you're in a decision-making process right now, get as close to God as you possibly can because God's always speaking but we're not always listening. Sometimes we're too distracted by the things of the world. We're too far away. And so we got to remove the distractions. We got to get close so that we can hear what God is saying directly to us. 
So the first one is be in relationship with God. The next one is what does the Bible say? What, what does the Bible say? Because God's voice will never contradict his verse. He will never tell you to do something that is contrary to his word, the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, everybody. That's the book for me, okay? I stand on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. He's never going to tell you to do something that goes against his word. And here at City Hope, we're a Bible-believing church. We believe that God's word that it's authoritative, that it's infallible, that it's inerrant, that it's a solid rock on which we can build our lives, that it's a firm foundation, that you can count on it, you can take it to the bank, and you can cash it, you can use it to build your life. And, And the Bible tells us this in Luke 21, 33. It says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. It'll never pass away. And so when determining God's will, we have to take into consideration What does the Bible say? And there's a lot of people today who they're trying to deconstruct the Bible. And they're trying to say that you can't count on it and it's not totally true and and it's not dependable and it's not relevant to our world today. But I wanted to tell you today that God's word, it is perfect. It is perfectly preserved by his spirit, that it is trustworthy, is dependable, that you can build your life on it and that it is relevant to our world today. It's relevant. Even though it was written thousands of years ago, it is relevant to our lives today. I look at it like this. If we're on a journey in life and sometimes we got to figure out which way to turn, then the Bible is our roadmap, okay? And it may not directly tell you, you know, marry Sally or date Diego. Like, it may not tell you exactly what to do, but it is full of guidelines and it's full of principles that will help you make decisions to keep you inside of God's will. And so it's so important that we read God's word, that we study it, we meditate on it, we hide it in our hearts and we memorize it um, because it helps us to honor God in our decisions. So it's kind of like this, like if you're trying to determine if you should marry that girl or date that guy and you're trying to figure out if they're the one for you, well, if you look in the word, you can go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, And it tells us, do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. So are they a believer? Do they believe in, are they a Christian? Are they following God? If not, they're off the list, right? It helps us narrow it down a little bit. It helps us narrow down our choices. If maybe you're struggling with your purity, you're trying to decide whether you're going to sleep with him or her, live with him or her outside of the confines of marriage. If we go to 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 5, it tells us to abstain from sexual immorality. That makes that decision a little bit easier. Y'all, are y'all with me today? Is that making sense? Y'all following with me this morning? It makes it easier. It's a guide for us, and it helps us to live inside of God's will. So get this. Here's the application. is that God's will for your life will always line up with what he's already said in his word. Okay? You can always count on that, that it will always line up with what he's already said in his word. The third question we ask ourselves is, what would Jesus do? Now, some of y'all wore this bracelet in the 90s, the WWJD bracelet. I think we need to bring them back, everybody. I've seen a couple of people wearing them, but we need to, not like they used to, we need to bring them back. What would Jesus do? The truth is, is that as Christians, we are all on a pursuit to be like Christ, to be more like Christ. And so to do that, we have to ask ourselves, what would Jesus do? What has he said in his word? But also, we have to consider the spirit of Jesus. 
The fruits of the Spirit, everybody. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We have to consider those things when we're asking ourselves, what would Jesus do? Because I've seen some of the most holy, you know, of holy Christians cuss somebody out in Walmart, okay? That ain't the fruit of the Spirit, all right? Like, just because you can go to church and say, praise the Lord, hallelujah, don't mean that you can cuss somebody out up in Walmart. Like, come on. That ain't living in the fruit of the Spirit. So if you're living outside of the fruit of the Spirit, you're probably not doing what Jesus would do, okay? But if I'm living my life and I'm being patient and I'm being full of joy and I'm being kind to people and, and I'm living my life through, through the, the fruits of the Spirit, then I can guarantee that I'm living like Jesus. I'm doing what Jesus would do. And so with every decision that we make, we have to ask ourselves, is what I'm about to do, is what I'm about to say, is that text that I'm about to send, you know, when you, you're just mad and you just, your thumbs going 100 miles an hour and you type in the message and then you delete it all and you type it again. Before you hit send, is what you're about to send going to make you more or less like Jesus, okay? Go on and delete it, everybody. It's going to make you less, all right? Just go on and delete it. And so we have to filter it through, does this make me more or less like Christ? And the Bible tells us in James 3, it says, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, and it puts it in quotes because it's not wisdom at all, it does not come down from heaven, but it's earthly, it's unspiritual, and it's demonic. James just says it like it is, y'all, like it's of the devil. And then he goes on to say, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, impartial and sincere, okay? So when we're deciding, am I, what would Jesus do? Are we gleaning from wisdom from the world? Wisdom that's ungodly of the earth? of the devil? Or are we getting wisdom from heaven, wisdom from God? Because wisdom from heaven produces good fruit. It produces purity, peace, and love. It, this is what, what wisdom from God. So we don't need wisdom from the world. When we're trying to live like Christ, we don't need wisdom that comes from the world. We need wisdom that comes from God. And we need to apply it in our lives. So we have to ask ourselves, what would Jesus do the next one, the fourth one, is we have to ask ourselves, have I sought godly counsel? Um, the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 11 that for lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. I mean, it doesn't get any more clear than that. And that's one thing I love about this church is that from day one, that Pastor Ben has led this church in this way. Like as the pastor of this church, he submitted himself to a board of trustees and, and to overseers. And you learn all about that stuff in Growth Track. But even beyond that, he submitted himself to a pastor who, this, it's his pastor. Just like he's our pastor, this guy's his pastor and pastors him and leads him. And not only that, but he also has ministry coaches and leadership coaches who not, not just for work, but they care about his family as well. And they care about his personal life and what they are is their godly counsel. They're people that'll tell him the hard truths. Like when maybe you're not thinking, everybody needs those people that when we're not thinking clearly, will tell us the hard truths, right? 
And I would just say that this, this value of godly counsel is so wrapped up in the DNA of this church that even every person on staff here has a direct report that's not just for work, but also for their personal lives, to give them spiritual guidance and personal guidance in their lives. Like, that's how important this is. And pastors aren't the only ones who need godly counsel, okay? We all need godly counsel. Everybody needs somebody in their life who can tell them the hard truths, who can tell you what you don't want to hear, who can call out your blind spots, okay? You ever been driving and somebody's been in your blind spot? Yeah, anybody? just a couple of y'all have. Man, people be in my blind spot all the time. Like I was driving down the road the other day. I think we were in Dallas, and I'm driving. I'm going along, and I put my blinker on to get on, and I go to pull over, and my wife's like, whoa, hold on, get, stop. And I'm like, whoa, it scared me. If your wife ever yells at you and you don't know what's going on in the car, it scared me, and I, I got mad. And I was like, what, chill out. What are you talking about? Chill. She's like, somebody's in your blind spot. You're about to wreck. You can't, I couldn't see them. I was about to wreck. But she's yelling at me, and that's how we feel a lot of times when people are calling us out. We're like, whoa, chill, calm down, close your mouth, be quiet. But really what it is is they see something we can't see, and they're checking you before you wreck yourself is what they're doing. They're checking you. She didn't want us to wreck that day, so she was saying, hey, you better watch out. We're going to wreck. I ain't trying to wreck today, right? We all need that person in our life who can call us out on our blind spots. It might scare you. It might, might make you mad a little bit, but you will be grateful for them whenever you don't crash, okay? We all need that person in our life, and maybe you don't have someone like that in your life. Maybe you don't have friends who are honest with you. And I, I would just say, if you don't have friends that tell you the truth, then those aren't really friends at all. And you need to find some new friends. And one of the best ways that I could help you with that is our small group semester just launched uh, two weeks ago, and it's not too late to get in a group. And if you get in a small group, you can find some godly counsel. You can find some people who will be in your corner that will tell you the hard truths to help you stay inside the will that God has for your life. And this is what C.S. Lewis says is that Christianity is not a solitary religion because God never intended for there to be any lone rangers in Christianity. Christianity is it's a group project in advancing the kingdom of God, everybody. How many of y'all like group projects? I know y'all, I love group projects in school because I made C's. And so whenever the teacher said group project, I was like, yep, he's smart. She's smart. They smart. I'm getting an A this time, baby. And they tried to tell me that that was wrong when I was in school, but it works in the kingdom. When we all come together, we put our gifts together and we advance the kingdom of God together. It's a group project and you can't do this thing alone. You need some godly counsel. You need a, a coach in your corner rooting you on and helping you and coaching you and helping you out in this journey. We all need some guidance. So ask yourself, who are some people, who, who's somebody that cares about me? Who's somebody that'll tell me the honest truth? Uh, someone I can look to as a mentor and then, and then invest in that relationship. The fifth one would be, do I sense God's peace? And this one is, we have to be very careful with because if we're, if we're not careful, we can, be very, we can become very focused on ourselves and what we want and what we feel in this, okay? Like, how many of y'all like buffets? Does anybody like to go eat at a buffet? I love a good buffet. Not many of y'all like buffets. I thought more people like but I guess that's why Shoney's closed down because nobody liked the buffet. I used to love Shoney's and Golden Corral. I mean, you can go to a buffet and you can get a steak. You can get 
sushi. You can get seafood. You can get pizza. You can get a cheeseburger. You can get some ice cream. You can get whatever you want, like little of this, a little of that. Y'all know that's good, everybody. Like, y'all know that's some good eating. Somebody said, we go into the Grand Buffet today. When we leave in here, we going down to the Grand Buffet. Um, but when you're using this set, uh, this test, these questions, you can't view it as a buffet. You can't get a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And you can't only eat this one, okay? You can't only have this one. You got to ask yourself the other questions with this because if, if you're asking yourself about how you feel, the thing is, is that our feelings are fickle. And so sometimes they change. They're like, they're like a roller coaster. Like one minute we feel this and one minute we feel that. And that's why it's important that we bring godly counsel into our lives and that we take into consideration what the Bible says is because we need some things in our life that aren't ever changing and aren't ever moving and God's word never changes. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and so it never changes, okay? And so you need some things in your life that are stable to balance it out. Does that make sense? And, and with this, sometimes if you aren't careful, it can be easy to mistake peace for comfort, okay? Like, you're feeling comfortable and you're really just doing what makes you comfortable rather than doing what brings you the most peace in your life. And the Bible tells us this in 1 Corinthians 14, It says that for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. So God brings peace. And I'll give you an example of this is when Danielle and I were deciding if we were going to move from our home to take the take a job here at City Hope and be, be a part of this. Like, we were moving away from our home, away from our families, halfway across the country. It was daunting. It was scary. Um, there were a lot of emotions involved with whether we were going to make the decision to do that or not. It was very outside of our comfort zone. But even though we were outside of our comfort zone, we sensed peace in doing it because that's what God's will for our life was. And so it's possible for you to be outside of your comfort zone and to be uncomfortable, but still feel the peace of God. Does that make sense? So like when we moved here, it was hard, but we felt God's peace and he was with us. And we knew that we were right in the middle of what God had for our lives. And there's nothing like that. There's, there's nothing like that feeling. And so we have, to, we have to follow faith, not feelings. We have to remember that God's word does not change. And so one thing I do like to say, though, is whatever you're deciding, God is not the author of confusion, but peace. So wherever you sense peace, that's where God is. Anytime I make decisions, I say, I follow the peace of God. Sometimes that means I'm following something that's really difficult and really hard, but it's still where the peace of God is. Is that making sense, everybody? You can follow something that's difficult as long as God's in it. Follow the peace of God. And the last one would be, you have to ask yourself, is it my will or is it God's will? Like, is this really what God wants or is this what I want? Is it just what I want? Like, one of the best ways I can explain this is there are missionaries who've gone out to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Missionaries who have been called to the deepest, darkest most dangerous corners of the world to take the gospel. And, and that's what God's called them to do and they're, they're doing it and they're living it. And then there's other missionaries who have been called to exotic, luxurious, desirable and attractable places. 
attractive places. And yes, the gospel needs to go there too. But what we see is that there's more, the gospel has spread much quicker in those more desirable places than the more dangerous places, like the 1040 window, where 100% of the world's terrorism originates, where the largest group of unreached people groups live. It spreads way slower there because there's some people who have, they've compromised comfort for God's will. They've, they've made their comfort more, more valuable and more important than God's will. And so what we have to do is we have to have the attitude that I don't want to be comfortable. I want to be where you want me to be, God. I don't want to be comfortable. I want to do what you've called me to do. And again, we see this with Jesus just before going to the cross, just before going to be beaten, tortured, and crucified on a cross. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane having an honest conversation with God. And it says that he fell on his face to the ground and he prayed, Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. He's saying, what he's saying is, God, if it's possible, please don't make me do this. Like, you have to understand, just as much as as Jesus was God, he was human. And in his humanity, he didn't want to go to that cross. He didn't want to be whipped with the cat of nine tail. He didn't want to be, he didn't want his beard to be plucked and to be spit on. And he, he didn't want nails to go through his hands and his feet. He didn't want that. But he had a perspective where he said, I really don't want to do this. Really don't want to be tortured. Really don't want to go to the cross. Yet not as I will, but as you will, God. He submitted to the Father. And he did something that he didn't want to do so that he could do something that God wanted him to do. And I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that he submitted to what God was. That was the sovereign will of God, what God was doing in the earth, that he sent his only son so that we could be free. And I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that Jesus submitted to the sovereign will of God, that he went to the cross because because he went to that cross, he made a way where there was no way for us to receive forgiveness and healing and salvation, freedom from our sins because of Jesus. Because he had the attitude of, I don't want to be comfortable. I want to be right in the middle of your will. Imagine had he not had that attitude. He submitted himself to the Father, and he made a way where there was no way for us. And ultimately, we have to adopt this attitude. This, last thing I have for you is that I want what God wants, period. End of story. I want what God wants, like, my dreams to the side, my plans to the side, my hopes and aspirations, all those things to the side. I want what God wants, period. And I believe that there's a lot of people in here, many of you would call yourself Christians and you're pursuing Christ and seeking to be a disciple of Christ. And this is what Jesus says to that group of people. He says, anyone who wants to be my disciple, they must deny themselves. That's what he tells us, plain, just straight up. You have to deny yourself, to take up their cross daily. I want you to know that when Jesus took up that cross and when he was carrying it up the hill of Golgotha, he was completely and totally surrendered to the will of God, surrendered to the sovereign will of God. And we have to take up our cross daily. God, I want what you want today. I want 
what you want in this meeting, not what I want in this meeting, not what my plans are in this meeting. I want what you want for this day. For every situation, we have to take up our cross. We have to follow him. We have to follow Jesus. And that's the only way that we can be true disciples of Christ, followers of Jesus. And so all of us, we have to ask ourselves this question. Am I fully surrendered to God in every way? Is his will more important than my will? Are his plans more important than my plans? Am I fully surrendered to God? And if you're in the middle of maybe a difficult situation or circumstance, maybe you're trying to figure out which way to go or what to do, you can use these questions as a guide to help you make a decision to keep you inside of God's will. And I'm so thankful that God gives us his word and he gives us his spirit to lead us, to guide us, and to direct us into his will. Amen. Awesome. If you would just bow your heads with me, close your eyes this morning. And I just want to take a moment and ask you, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? What's he placing on your heart today? Um, Maybe you're here today and, and you actually are faced with a dilemma. You're being faced with a decision that you're trying to make. And maybe you're trying to figure out what to do with your life or career choice, what college to attend, what, what you're supposed to do. And if you're seeking God's will today with no one looking around, if you would just lift your hand, I want to pray over you. If you need to hear, thank you, thank you, I see you. Hands everywhere. I just want to pray a prayer over you today. God, I pray for every person in the room today, Lord, who's seeking your will. God, I pray that as they submit themselves to your word, to your spirit, to what you're already doing in the earth, and to what you've already said in your word, God, I pray that you would reveal to them through your word what you have for them, the personal will of God for their lives. God, I pray that you'd show them exactly what to do. Lord, and I pray today that as they're seeking, that they would come close to you. Lord, that you would draw them close to you, Lord, so that they could hear the still, small voice today, Lord, so they could hear exactly what you're saying to them. God, and I thank you that you're always with us. You're always speaking to us. So help us to hear clearly, God. We give you every part of our lives. We submit ourselves to you, to your sovereign will, to your moral will, and to the personal will that you have for our lives. In Jesus' name. And if you keep your heads bowed, eyes closed, maybe you're here today and perhaps you're not even a believer. Perhaps you don't have a relationship with Jesus currently. And it sounds good to be in the will of God. You want to know what God's will is for your life. And I want you to know that the first step to God's will for your life is coming into a relationship with Him. Because it's the will of God that none would perish, but that all would come to everlasting life through a relationship with His Son, Jesus. I just want you to know today that if you want to give your life to Christ, that God is here today, that he's standing on the doorstep of heaven with his arms open wide, just waiting for you to come home. And I wanna give you the opportunity today to begin a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've been, maybe you're even someone who's been in church for a long time, but you realize it was all religion and it wasn't a relationship. But you wanna begin relationship with Jesus today. If that's you and you wanna say yes to Jesus, That's the best way. That's your step for fulfilling the will of God for your life is by coming into relationship with him. And if that's you on the count of three, I want you to just slip up your hand with no one looking around. One, two, three, if that's you, I want to give my life to Jesus. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. 
I see you. Awesome. Thank you. Anybody else? I want to know God's will for my life. I, I want to come under God's will by giving my life to him today. Awesome. Thank you for your hands. Hey, I want to lead us in a prayer. And I want to ask that we all pray this in support of those who lifted their hands today. Jesus, I give my life to you. All that I am, it's yours. Would you please forgive me of all my sins? Come into my heart. Live inside of me. I confess that you are the Son of God. You died on the cross and you rose again to forgive me of my sins. And today, I make a decision to follow you. I surrender all. All that I am is yours. I want to live in your will, in your plan for my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, church. Can we give Jesus all the praise? Awesome, awesome. Hey, well, so glad that you came out to church today. I just want to remind you about the connection card that I mentioned that Pastor Derek mentioned at the beginning of the service. And on that card is a spot that says, my decision today. So if you made a decision for Christ, maybe you gave your life to Christ or you recommitted to him. If you'll look on that card under my decision today, please let me know what your decision is because we want to be able to pray for you. We want to celebrate what God's doing in your life. Just check the box that applies. And on your way out today, our team has assembled Next Steps box, and it helps you um, know what's next after you begin this relationship with Jesus. It helps you see how you can live inside God's will for your life. And so be sure to pick up one of those Next Step boxes in our lobby as you leave out today. They're totally free of charge. And we're about to get to the part of the service where we worship the Lord with our giving. And I just want to, as our teams are getting ready to service, I just want to celebrate with you today something super amazing. And you saw the video with Pastor Ben and Annalise, uh, the video where they're at Five Stones Church with our, our friends, Pastor Tom and Deb Watson, who are launching Five Stones Church today. And we're so excited about that. And I just want to celebrate with you that you as a church here at City Hope, you have given $30,000 to help launch Five Stone Church. So thank you for your generosity. And it's so awesome to see a life-giving church being planted in Chattanooga to make a difference, to populate heaven, to plunder hell, to help people find freedom and salvation. And it's going to be a breath of fresh air for that city. That's your generosity at work. So thank you for your obedience to the Lord. And so why don't we just all stand together, pray over our time together. When I say amen, um, in the balcony and up front, our prayer team will be there. So if you need prayer for anything, find one of our prayer team members. They'll be happy to serve you and pray with you today. So God, we come before you. Thank you. Lord, for the opportunity to worship you, Lord, to give to you. Lord, and as we give today, we give out of a place of gratitude. Lord, thankful for all that you've done in our lives, God. We thank you that your will and your way is perfect. So we submit to that today. We worship you. We praise you. And it's all in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said a good amen. Come on, church. Let's worship together.
thank you so much for joining us this morning, for worshiping with us. Prayer is available down front. Go with God because he's going with you.
In the water 